This is Pastor Matt Harmless, and this is sermon number 26 from the Gospel according to Luke, where we're looking at the second beatitude in Luke's Sermon on the Plain. Um, on that piece of paper, I, I want you to put, and you can put as many things as you want down here, or as you feel necessary. Um, I'm going to describe it several different ways, and some of you will know right off the bat where I'm going with this, okay, so just... Bear with me, right? I want you to put on there things that you go, if I had fill in the blank, I'd be happy. Or if I had, say it, and then I would be satisfied. Now, I want you to take a minute and really think about it. I don't want you to answer all churchy on me, okay? Don't answer the way you think you ought to answer the question. I want you to get down to the nitty-gritty. I want you to answer these questions the way you actually would have answered this over the course of the last week or the last month. Because there are some times in the last week or the last month that you've gone, oh, man, I th think back. What did you go, man, I, I just had, I wish I had. So you weren't happy, and the reason why you weren't happy is because you didn't have what? Okay, and nobody's going to look at it, so if, don't be look, peeking at other people's stuff. They might be putting some embarrassing stuff on there, okay? If I just had, we're going to take a minute here. I'm not going to rush you through this because this is very important, and you may think of things as we go along. Here are some questions to help. Um, what did you not have this last week that left you frustrated or annoyed or dissatisfied? or angry, or jealous or envious, or bitter, because somebody else had it and you didn't, um, craving, anything you're just all week long, man, I'm just, I'm just, it, like, what, what was occupying your thoughts, wanting, craving, feel free to put more than one thing on there. Expand it into areas of situations or experiences, maybe, that you were just wanting. So, if I may be so bold, some people go, I'm not married and I really want to be. Some people go, I am married and I just wish it wasn't. <laughs> That's terrible. Not me, David. How about, how about reminiscing or missing your youth? Or health. Maybe it's a vehicle. That's what it is with me a lot of times. If I'm filling this out, I'd put on here, independently wealthy. <laughs> I just want to be independent. Oh, that pen doesn't work. See, I, I, I can't even afford a good pen. Maybe it's just the living arrangements, the house you have, not quite what you'd like it to be, income, job, just had a different job. Maybe it's you want children, or maybe you want better children. <laughs> oh, man. I'm not saying that any of these things that you're wanting are necessarily bad in and of themselves. In fact, some of these things that you might list off 
maybe you were hesitating is because something that you were actually praying for. That's that's fine. What on there, what could you put down, things that you go, man, I just want this. Now, if you think of things as you go along, great, put those down. Just things that you go, man, if I just had that thing. I'll be honest, one more comment on that. This takes some thought if you're going to be honest with yourself. It takes some real thought to stop and answer that question for real. Because I know you're in church and and it'd be easy to go, if I just had Jesus, I'd be happy. That might be, but through the week, I bet you had on Tuesday at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, I bet there was something else that you might have been going, if I just had that. In fact, If I just had Jesus give me that, then I'd be happy. All right, let's shift gears and do one more thing before we pray. I want to read um, from Luke chapter 6, verses 20 to 26. This is the first chunk. These are the Luke Beatitudes. I'll put these up on the screen for you. Um, I'm just going to read through. Some of this I talked about last week. Some I'm going to talk about now. Some I'm going to talk about in the coming weeks. These are the Luke Beatitudes. Uh, very similar to the Sermon on the Mount, but this is the Sermon on the Plain. Did you get a piece of paper? Did you, uh, you, you, okay, you got, you're good. Luke chapter 6, starting with verse 20, says this. And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you, and revile you, and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day, and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven, for so their fathers did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. Let's go ahead and pray. After I pray, we're going to do a little bit of exposition, and then I'm going to do a little bit of application. How can we apply these beatitudes to our life heavenly father i want to pause now and ask you god as we begin to jump into your word this morning from this sermon this sermon on the plain from christ himself got to ask that you would guide and direct my words our thoughts from the the moment they leave me to the moment they hit the eardrums and hopefully land in the heart, God, I pray that it would be you and the direction you'd want to take us through this. I pray this now in Christ's name. Amen. So last week I talked about verse 20 and verse 24. We started, we jumped into this. Verse 20, he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, blessed are you who are poor for yours is the kingdom of God. And then I jump to verse 24 it's woe that goes along with it woe to you who are rich for you have received your consolation this was two weeks ago not last week but two weeks ago 
talked about this, these two verses. Um, I would encourage you, I have that recorded, I have it online. If you missed it, you should listen to it. I think tying these things together, this is all going somewhere. Remember, this is one sermon of Christ's, right? And so it's going somewhere. But at the heart of these Beatitudes, I want you to know right off the bat, at the heart of these Beatitudes is a fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. Consider for a moment Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 through 3. Let's see if you can hear some of these ideas filtering into this preaching of Christ. Isaiah, the prophet, said this. He said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord, Jehovah, has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. Do you hear some of those things coming in there? Sounds a lot like those Beatitudes. There's both sides, right? There's the rich, the wealthy, those that the haves and the have-nots. To grant those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful uh, headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. You hear some of that? At the heart of Christ's preaching is this filling up of these Old Testament prophets, what they were saying, this is coming. And Jesus shows up and he says, this is, here it is. This was echoed in Mary's prayer when Christ was coming into the world. Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed, happy. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered who the, the proud. In the thoughts of their hearts, he has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted who? The, the ones of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. Do you hear that stuff in there? You hear those beatitudes sneaking into the sermon of Christ? At the heart of these Beatitudes is the promise of God's kingdom. In fact, this whole first section is about the promise of God's kingdom. This is what it's about. Let's take a look. Let's move on to these Beatitudes. I'm going to talk about the next one I've got for today now. It's this one. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. And then it's accompanying woe. Alas, woe to you who are full now. For you shall be hungry. Let's take a look at a few of these words. We're expositing through here. We're thinking about what this text is saying. I'm going to be honest with you. Side note here. I was just sharing with somebody a minute ago. I, I've found that one of the difficult things is to let current events shape what I might say. And I had to do a real step back this week and say, Lord, I don't want, it, I don't want that to happen. I just want it. What does your text say? When I come to church on Sunday, I just want to say what you say. And I had to really, because when there's lots of stuff going on in the world, isn't it easy to just be thinking about all that stuff? And I don't want that to filter into what the text is. So 
I took a step back. And so let's think about, I want you to do the same thing. Let's think about these words. The hungry comes from a word that uh, actually looks like the word to pine for something. It's pining. It's, it's gnawing in you. The, and this is why it's translated hunger, to be needy, to crave ardently, to, to eagerly desire something. You've ever had that? Okay, so let's, let's just think about it. Think simple for a moment. You ever actually been hungry? You ever gone without food for a little while and you're like, I am so hungry. What, what, what happens to some of us when we get hungry? We get what? Hangry, <laughs> right? We're not only hungry, we're hangry. And it, people are like, hey, how are you doing? I'm fine. <laughs> Give me a burger. <laughs> some of you are pointing at each other. It's there, right? I want this thing. Those who are hungry will be, what does it say there? It says, satisfied. It's a word that comes from, to, like when you're feeding animals, to fodder them, right? In such a way that where they're gorging on a supply of food in abundance to feed, to fill, to satisfy. They're filled up. Those who are hungry will be satisfied. Those who are full... Notice it didn't say satisfied, it says full, filled up to the brim, to glut on one's desire just to have it all, completely glutted out. Notice the tense here as well. This is different than the poor and the rich. When we look at the poor and the rich, it said those, those who are poor now have the kingdom now. This is different. Those who are hungry now will be satisfied when? Later. Those who are full now, just later, they're going to be hungry. And so the tense of the verbs here highlights the idea that what Jesus is talking about here is promise. Now, I'm building. You guys with me? Anybody actually hungry right now? Anybody thinking about lunch? Yeah, we got a couple. Yeah. Where are you guys going for lunch? Quit talking about, oh, okay. Fujiyamas? How about, anybody, anybody planning on a Lapot trip today? Anybody? No? Anybody have a restaurant in town that you go, man, I miss that restaurant? Wiener King? Oh, man. Especially back in the day, Dad, right? When they used to have the good hot dogs. Schroeder's. Mm. Culver. Did we still have that one? Ponder, pon, oh, the Ponderosa. Montana Mike's. How about Montana Mike's? What did you say? Remember Ponder, old Ponderosa Steakhouse. Um, oh, man. Sirloin Stockade. I don't remember that one. Anybody getting hungry now? Can you, can you almost smell the, the burger? What, what about, okay, what's your, what's your favorite burger? Gross burger? I've heard those are really good, but I've got to be honest with you. That, this is me. The, the, if we're ranking them, gross is going to beat them. I, I, I was won over by gross burger when he took us back to the back. That one time I was with you. My dad knows that guy. Took us back to the back, and he just bought an industrial meat grinder. And, I mean, it was tempting to just throw anything in there to see what would happen. Like, it could grind anything. But, like, he was fresh, 
ground, beef. And, the, and then you ever watch them and they put that on there and they got the spatula. The garlic salt on the fries. And then what do they do with the fries at Gross Burgers? They, I just need a fry. And what they, you, can't, you always leave with like a, ba- a giant bag of fries. Oh, my goodness. I was down at Colt. I know this has nothing to do with anything. But it's no, no, it's important. Don't you tell me to move on. Down at Coltus, man, my van almost pulled into Grossberger the other day. I was pulling. I was like, oh, man, it almost. In fact, it was when I was driving your truck. My truck just almost naturally went there. Like, it just naturally turned that way. I was like, what are you? Oh, oh, sorry, buddy. The thing about this hunger that we're reading about here is that this is talking about actual physical hunger, not just a spiritual hunger. It's talking about actual, and in fact, one of the commentaries I was reading talked about how if you tried to just focus on one or the other, you missed the whole point. Both are there. Real hunger, not just spiritual. Now, there's clearly going to be a spiritual side to this, and I think some of you that have been in the church a long time, and you've been around the, the Word of God for a long time, you know that that element is there, but don't miss the actual sense of hunger for a gross burger or a Culver's butter burger or whatever it is, a sirloin stockade, a big giant T-bone steak, whatever it is, or a salad. No. No, no. We're a meat-eating church here. Throughout the Old Testament, actual poor people and therefore actual hungry people are a focal point of God's grace. These two things get intertwined in so many stories. We see multiple examples of this. We see many of the prophets destitute and hungry. Think about Elijah. What about the, the widow that Elijah went to see? Running out of food and God providing people who didn't have and were hungry or thirsty like Hagar, Abraham's concubine, who leaves and is almost without any one last drop of water, hungry and thirsty. Or how about the many people who eventually maybe they had a lot, but there's different points in their life where they had nothing, like King David. I'm going to read one of his psalms in just a minute here. How about Jacob? When he left and he's on his own and he's sleeping with a rock as his pillow. Joseph in prison. Daniel taken away from his home, shipped off to Babylon. So poverty and hunger over time got intertwined with something much deeper. And because so often the poverty and the hunger awakened a deeper poverty and a deeper hunger. Does that make sense? Listen to this one. Here's a great example. King David, before he was King David, out in the wilderness of Judah, on the run, hungry, his people, hungry. And he writes this psalm, O God, you are my God, earnestly I seek you, my soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Now think about that. 
When David wrote this, when David penned this, I can't help but think that he was experiencing actual thirst. And that it awakened in him what I really need is God. What I really need is him. Much, much later, I've mentioned Isaiah once already, but this, this idea filters into so much of what you see throughout the Old Testament. Listen to this uh, passage from Isaiah. That, here's King David, the beginning of the kingdom, right? The beginning of the, the kingdom of Israel. Here at the end of Israel's kingdom, you have Isaiah writes this. He's, he says, come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. He who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come by wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money on that which is not bread or, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. And can you tell just by listening to this? He's not talking about just this, is he? There's some other satisfying thing to consume it's not physical. The physical kind of awakens it in us. But there's something bigger that we ought to be hungering and thirsting for. All of this just harkens back to something that the Israelites have been learning from the very beginning. Before they even entered into their kingdom in Deuteronomy, you hear this story of how they're, they traveled through the wilderness. And when they get to the end of the, this wilderness wandering where they had lots of times where they were actually hungry and actually thirsty. And God says this to them through Moses. He says, he humbled you. Mm. He humbled you and let you hunger. What kind of father would do that? A good heavenly father. Humbled you and let you hunger. And then fed you with supernatural bread manna which you didn't even know nor did your fathers know why that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the lord this is one of the things that christ himself quoted when in his wilderness temptation without food fasting and satan tempts him you can make some bread Christ responds with this, man doesn't live. In the middle of his hunger, he knows this is there to tell me something bigger that I ought to be hungering for. Philip Ryken, one of the commentaries I was reading, put it this way, he says, we were made with a spiritual hunger for truth, an un unfulfilled longing for eternity, and a desperate craving for, for the love that is at the heart of the universe that only God can satisfy. And Jesus has promised that his disciples will be filled. We will drink deeply from the fountains of his grace. We will eat richly from the banquet of his word. We will find our satisfaction in him. This is a promise. But I don't want you to miss here that Jesus didn't have... I missed the verse. Jesus doesn't have any problem saying, blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be future satisfied. In Hebrews 11, thinking of those Old Testament people who were starving and hungry, the author of Hebrews says, these all died in faith. I mean, that's true, right? They're all dead now. 
not having received the things promised. And you go, I don't know if I like that. But having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on this earth. And so they, they didn't receive the things that were promised, they, but they can see them from afar and they're, they're greeting them. And so where does the joy and where does the, the satisfaction begin to come from while we're here? It's from seeing what's coming. I mean, there is a promise, ultimate, complete fulfillment. Whatever we go... We need to be satisfied in Christ. But understand that we're, all of this that you're trying to do here is just looking at it from a distance. And there's an ultimate fulfillment that's coming. And Christ doesn't have a problem at all saying, I, I promise you, it will be completely fulfilled. You will be completely satisfied. Then, even though you're hungry now, You'll be satisfied then. For people who speak thus, make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, if you're just thinking back to some, we do that sometimes, don't we? When we start thinking about what God promised, and we, we look at times where, you remember, you remember that one time where everything was just right, all of your ducks were in a row, everything was just perfectly lined up and some of us spend our whole lives trying to get back to that one moment fools (laughs) it's not gonna happen is it at least these saints of old if they were talking about that that's not what they were talking about what were they talking about something else that's what this that's what this is saying for people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking about of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Darrell Bach, another common commentator, put it this way. He says, after... Uh, Three pages of commentary on this. He summarized this way. He said, in effect, this beatitude says, Blessed are you who sense your lack and depend on God. Why? For God shall accept and reward you. Ultimately, don't miss this, ultimately at the consummation. Let's talk about the end. Here's the reality. Whatever I preach to you about who Christ is and what he's done, you're not going to get the fullness of that till then. All I'm talking about when I talk about the joy and the satisfaction you have in Christ, it's, it's, like, it's, it's like you're on Georgetown Road. And, and you know you're on your way to Grossberger. <laughs> I'm starving, I'm starving. And then dad goes, We're, I'm driving to Grossberger. Oh, you're going to Grossberger? <gasps> and the mouth starts to salivate just in anticipation of it. I'm going to be so happy. <laughs> When I get that bag of fries, Ghost Burger. I should write their commercial. That, 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 but that, understand, that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. You ready for some application? I have two points of application here. I try to trim off a lot of extra things, and I've 
really, I stopped actually this morning. I was like, Lord, what, 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 what's the point, though, of this? Like, there's so many things that go with it. What ought we to do with this information? And there's two things. <clears throat> the first one, these are not going to sound very churchy, and they don't start with the same letters, two of them. Stop getting let down. If you keep let, getting let down by life, if you keep getting your hopes, keep getting dashed to bits because life isn't turning out the way you want it to, then maybe the real problem is that you're trying to get the bread that doesn't satisfy. Stop getting let down. If you're thinking at all that you're going to get heaven here, if you're hoping to get your best life now, no. The promise is for then. The ultimate satisfaction is for then, not here, not now. All we're doing now is looking at it. I can see the Grosberger sign down the road, and I'm going, it's going to be awesome. That's all we're doing right now. We are not there yet. And some of us are like little kids in the car that are going, I'm thinking about Willy Wonka. I want an Oompa Loompa, and I want one, one now. You know? We're almost there. Would you stop? We're almost, I can see it. But I wonder, why is there not French fries in my mouth right now? Because we're not there yet. You got that paper? There's some things on there. I'm going to tell you what, unless it's God himself, it will not satisfy you. If it is not the person of God, you will not. I don't care if you got everything on that list. There's plenty of rich people that got everything on their list and are still dissatisfied. That, that is an age-old lesson. We don't even, I mean, honestly, that, that's like a duh. That's obviously true and we're, we're just dumb enough though aren't we we're just dumb enough to keep thinking but if i did have it i would be happy and it's it's not gonna make you happy stop getting let down just stop getting let down let me put it this way stop being like esau you said what what does he have to do with this listen to this hebrews talks about esau Hebrews 12 says this of Esau, he says, See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, by it many become defiled, that no one is sexually immoral. You may be going, what does that have to do? I'm telling you what, that has everything to do with wanting. Sexual immorality is all about wanting satisfaction now, not the way that God has said. Or unholy like Esau. What did Esau do? He sold his birthright for a single meal. If you don't know that story, that's exactly what he did. Esau is a perfect example of somebody that doesn't, didn't have the ability to think long term. He wanted satisfaction now, not what he could get later. And he sold his birthright for one meal. And you know what? Afterwards, 
when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected and he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. That's an alarming verse. And I'm not going to get into all that that implies. I'm going to get into the key focus of what it's saying. Don't be like Esau who wanted it now. Because people who get it now don't get it later. Stop being nearsighted. You need to get some better glasses. Read your Bible more. The Bible is full to the brim of stories of people that got it now and didn't get it later, or people that didn't get it then, and God has promised glorious reward. Fill your mind with stories that exemplify this. I'm, this is going to sound weird to some of you, but I'm telling you what, there, there's, this is one of the reasons why I personally, I love uh, authors like J.R.R. Tolkien and C.S. Lewis, because they write stories about characters that went through the crapper because they're thinking about something later. If you ever watch those movies about the, the Lord of the Rings movies, you ever watch some of those characters, is, everything goes wrong and wrong and wrong and wrong and wrong and wrong and wrong. And they keep at it. You need to fill your mind with stories of people that, that can see long range because America is full of people that can't do that. They want it all and they want it now. That's what we're surrounded by people that think that way. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if we get influenced by that. And you need to be selective about what you're filling your head with. It doesn't have to be Lord of the Rings. It can be Rudy. Remember that? You guys remember the, the movie Rudy? It's kept at it, kept at it, kept at it. Look at those cards, little your pieces of paper. I, I'm getting ready to say something, and I, I'm going to tell you right now, I, I, I put some serious thought into it before I typed this in there. Um, what I'm about to say, I, I, I don't say casually. In fact, I'm going to tell you right now, and this is not to pat myself on the back, but I don't think I've ever said this flippantly. Okay, what I'm getting ready to say. Um, and so I thought through... Is this really what I want to put up there? And I think it is. Uh, if you say that flippantly, like go to hell or to hell with this or whatever, stop. That is not a word that you should use flippantly. Okay? That piece of paper you got, you, you ought to have a real, and, and I know that you're probably sitting there going, I don't think pastors are supposed to talk like that. Um, you ought to have a real, and, and this is why I'm telling you, I'm saying it from the depths of its most biblical meaning. You ought to take a look at that stuff on there, and unless it's God himself, you should go to hell with that stuff. Revelation chapter 21. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, oh man, do you hear some of that stuff coming in there? To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. 
The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Second Peter chapter 3, starting at verse 8, says this, But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise. So we're talking about satisfaction, no more hunger in the deepest possible sense of being hungry and wanting and craving, right? The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises, some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens, the sky, that blue sky up above that you look at, Extending out into infinity, the stars, the constellations, the planets, the galaxies that are out there. The heavens will pass away with a roar. I, I don't know what that roar is going to be. It's going to go... The heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved. All of our accomplishments, those leftover moon rover landings, the, the little Mars rovers that we got sitting up there driving around, and we're like, man, look at us. It's dissolved. And the earth, so everything up there, down here, the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. No more secrets. It's out there. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? Waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. What do you got on there that you think is so, so good? That will be so satisfying that, man, that's my dream. If I had a genie in a bottle right now, I just, I wish these things. I wish for more wishes so I could get these other five things. I'm telling you what, every single one of those things, plus it's God himself, will burn. But according to his promise, we're waiting for new heavens and new earth in which righteousness dwells. Some of you and me, I don't want to exclude myself, We're on our way to growth stage. 
And we're digging in the seat for that leftover Tic Tac. If I could just find one more Tic Tac, then I would be so happy. Why would you, why? Why would you be satisfied with the Tic Tac in the seat when Grossberg is just down the road? That's how we are. Maybe you need to see it that way. That thing you have on your paper. That's like a tic-tac in the seat when I could be eating gross burgers. That's not quite as eloquent as C.S. Lewis, is it? The, he uses the illustration of playing in mud puddles when you could be having a vacation at the sea. I'm going with tic-tacs and gross burgers. That's, but that's me. There is coming... And and I I love that Christ reckons, and all throughout Scripture, there's this this idea painted for us of uh, the end is like a feast. A banquet. A party. Celebration. For those that endure to the end, it's waiting for us. And anything that you're going to miss out on here isn't worth the tears you're shedding over it. It's waiting. We're going to sing a song in just a minute called We Will Feast in the House of Zion. And that's, I want you to just soak in that idea. There's this, the, the, the wedding feast of the Lamb where God's going to gather all of his children we're going to celebrate. And you're going to be full. You're going to be satisfied. And that, that in a way that you've never, uh, but from afar, experienced. But from, from a, a distance, sensed what it could be like. There's nothing you've ever had here that's going to be like that. Think about the, the greatest moment where you're like, I, this is just perfect. That's nothing. Compared to what's waiting for you. I know. That when we're in the middle. Of this life. And we're the poor and the hungry. And as we're going to see next week. The mourning. The weeping. I know. That to, to, to keep our eyes focused on this. Is so so hard. Is it not? I know that. I, I, get, I get that. But you've got to be a people that say, I'm not going to be sidetracked by any of this stuff. God, help me. Help me never to be satisfied with anything that's here. But to be longing only for you. And this is why when Matthew shares the Beatitudes of Christ, he says, those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. As a clarifying point, he says, that's, that's what it's really about. And whatever it is, Maybe you need to take that piece of paper home and turn the knob on your gas stove. Click, 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 click. And maybe you need to get a little dish and you just need to take it and you need to watch it burn. Have you had an application like that lately? Maybe there's a few more things you need to put on there. 
They could be things that are great, things that are wonderful, but don't ever let them be the end all. And you may need to take some of those things and go, Lord, I will never be satisfied with those things. Help me to never even seek satisfaction in those things, but only in you. And maybe you need to go home today and get the lighter out and go. And just watch it burn. Because the things of this world will. Is that piece of paper? Whatever you got on it? That's my suggestion to you. Take it home and burn it. Get, get in time quiet by yourself. Um, be careful. I don't want anybody to burn down their houses from this. Okay. Don't be like me and throw it in the trash before you know it's completely out and set the trash on fire. Okay, don't know. Maybe go outside. Fire pit. Great, great. But maybe you need to sit there and really say, Lord, I'm going to watch, watch that flame take over that paper. You know how, have you ever watched it, watched it happen? And it turns to ash as the flame creeps up the paper. And as it's doing that, maybe you need to seriously just sit there and say, Lord, I hope that that's how I see it from this point forward. Help me. I'm going to see the things of this world will never satisfy and they're going to burn. And God, just let me, let me seek my satisfaction just in you. I can see it down the road. I can see it down the road. Maybe it's not Grossberger for you. That's okay. Like Abraham. There's this country from afar. Can you see in the distance it's glorious? Shiny building. Beautiful pastures. Everything's perfect. Can you see it off in the distance, can you? Have good eyes. And start looking down the road. I'm going to pray while I'm praying. I'm going to let you guys come up and get ready. We're going to sing this song. Heavenly Father, I just want to ask you now to let us hunger. And Lord, maybe some of us need to experience some real hunger. Maybe some of us haven't been hungry enough. Lord, if you need to humble us and let us hunger so that we learn that we cannot live on bread alone, Lord, then, then do it. Let it happen. Lord, let us hunger in this life so that one day we may be satisfied, full to the brim. I thank you for your promises that that will happen one day. Lord, we believe it. And when we falter, Lord, we just ask that you'd help us to believe it. I pray these things now in Christ's name. Amen. As always, the... The altar fronts are open. Matt's here. You need him to pray with you. Stand with us as we look forward down the road to that great day.
will say.